Hey, GC. What time is it? Well, it smells like Thai food in here, so <laughs> I think it's time for a makeover. That was disgusting. <laughs> Hi, I'm Siege. And I'm Tony Curtis. And we welcome you to Movie Makeover, the podcast where we take the movies you love, think you love, guilty pleasures, or downright hate, and give them a much-needed update. This week's movie is 2009's Jennifer's Body. So, <laughs> uh, Jennifer's Body. Before we even get into the like the summary of it, I kind of want to pick your brain about and jump right into the previews. I want to know what you thought, of, what your impressions were of this movie before you saw it. First impressions walking out of it. Um, if you saw it before, how does it compare to seeing it now? I wouldn't know at all. Okay, so I had not seen this movie, but at the time I remember thinking all the trailers looked really bad, it looked really cheesy, and I wasn't into it. And then later on I heard it was a cult classic. So when you mentioned this movie, I was like, okay, well, I can't wait to see what I'm looking or what, what I'm in store for. Uh, I watched it for the very first time today, and it was stupid cheesy, and <laughs> like like everything that I thought it was from the previews. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited to talk about this movie. Okay, so I got to tell you, I walked into this movie um, when it was first released. I saw the trailers for it. Um, you know me, I'm a horror movie head, so I pretty much saw everything regardless of whatever. <laughs> I I was interested by this whole idea of like. Um, kind of like possession of a demonic possession in a high school setting. Like, I just thought that was an interesting premise when I walked into it. Um, you know, I, when I first saw the movie in, in theaters, I left thinking I didn't like this movie. I thought it was stupid. I thought it was dumb. But since I've been reading articles, Vox, Vice, both putting out articles about how this movie is this feminist cult classic that got overlooked at the time. So I was like, fuck, I totally missed something with this movie and I need to rewatch it. Siege, we got to make this part of the podcast. We have to watch this movie <laughs> again because I didn't even know what I missed. And, you know, I got to say, even though I can see all of the qualities that people love about this movie for why it's revered, to me, it missed the mark. But I have to say, the people who love this movie the most are women. So maybe my I am missing. I'm still missing something, perhaps. Absolutely. I mean, I looked at this movie and everything you said. I was like, I know women love this movie. I know it has like a huge lesbian following. So I was really excited to see what happened. And all I have to say is, I watched it and I was like, no. It has. I will say it has all the ingredients, and I think that the premise alone is fantastic. I just don't think we went anywhere. I mean, and I also just think it was messy because... Yes. You know... Um, so messy. And we'll, I'll get into this a little bit later that, for me... It looks like lasagna. <laughs> Diablo Cody is not Kevin Williamson. No. And to me, that's what this movie suffers the most from, and I'll get into that later, but that was kind of my first take of it. All right, let's get into the summary. <laughs> Jennifer's Body, released in September 18th, 2009 by Century Fox. Um, Anita Needy... <laughs> I don't know why I could do that. Anita, Anita, a.k.a. Needy, and her best friend, school hot girl Jennifer Chad, are forever changed after a fiery run-in with a devil-worshipping emo band who sacrificed Jennifer and turned her into a boy-eating demon. Directed by Karen Kasuma... And starring Amanda Seyfried, Megan Fox, Adam Brody, Johnny Simmons, uh, this flop turned cult classic made a disappointing thirty-one million on a sixteen million dollar budget. Um, whenever we say something like that, I'm like, you got your money back. Well, it's, that's not including marketing. I'm sure. Oh, okay, okay, um, you okay. Know, okay. You know, other... I'm always like, you got your money back. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, well, let's actually jump into the critic response of this movie. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has this at a 44%, um, which <laughs> honestly, uh... I feel like it's high. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's high, but I feel like it's closer to accurate than not. Um, IMDb has it at 5.2 out of 10. Roger Ebert, three and a half stars. I don't understand this man. <laughs> 
Roger Ebert thought Candyman and Jennifer's Body were the same level of movie. <laughs> um, this whole rating system is flawed. But um, Roger Ebert, when asked uh, when reviewing this movie, said, um, "This isn't your assembly line teen horror thriller. The portraits of Jennifer and Needy are a little too knowing. This dialogue is a little too off-center. The developments are a little too quirky. And after you've seen enough teen thrillers, you begin to appreciate these distinctions. Let's put it this way: I'd rather see Jennifer's Body again than Twilight." I feel like that's a read on Twilight than it is a review of this movie. And comparing the two feels inaccurate to me. Absolutely. So, I don't know. But um, let's just, you know, let's start with the good. And I'm going to figure out what you liked about this movie. Like, casting-wise, how the film was made, and the actual story of it. What were the things that stood out to you in a positive way? Uh, I like that the movie ended. <laughs> wow, so you like hardcore did not like this movie. All right, so you know what? I will say, I, I will say, I will uh, address everything that um, Roger Ebert brought up. I feel like it's trying to do things differently. I feel like there is a lot in this movie that has potential. And I am totally here for schoolgirl becomes demon. What's that like? I'm here for... Two best friends who don't really understand their relationship. Do they love each other? Do they hate each other? Friendship being the ultimate love. Um, the fact that at the end of the movies, spoiler, if you're listening to this, you should know this by now. Um, the heart that she needs to stab is actually like the BFF heart around Jennifer's neck. Like all of those things I'm here for. And I really love kind of exploring the dynamic between female friendships and oh it's so interesting that you thought of this as a friendship situation when i thought it was clearly talking about how needy is has is completely in love with her best friend well i mean i i think that there is something to say about that because we also feel like she really does care about her boyfriend um but the chemistry between the boyfriend versus with jennifer is Starkly again, different. Yeah, again, Chip, by the way. And I was like, could you pick a more... Like, this movie does so many things where you're like, you are purposely doing this. You don't name the boyfriend Chip without trying to make a comment on the fact that he's average white boy. Just insert white boy here. Sure. You know, like, the, the band itself. There's just so much commentary and so much dialogue that makes them... Like, you can understand Diablo Cody is saying... We get it. Isn't this cheesy? Isn't this stupid? Isn't this frivolous? And I'm here for that. I just don't think it sticks the landing. Well, let me. I'll just start by saying that of the cast, I actually think the two leads do a pretty good job with the film. I like uh, Amanda Siegfried's interpretation of Needy. I think she does a great job of being this person who is secretly a lesbian and in love with her best friend. I think that's very clear <laughs> throughout the film. Um, Diablo Cody goes on to confirm that in interviews. Um, but see, you know, honestly, I, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I would have loved just some kind of confirmation of that. Or like... Oh, I thought oh, the make-out I mean, scene was Yeah, that. they make out and there's all that, but I guess there's just so much media around girls being able to experiment that to me it didn't feel like oh, a I, the reason why signature. the reason why it did for me is because we already see her have a sex scene with her boyfriend that is basically her like playing around with her brother like it is there's no sexual tension in that scene at all and so when we see her with jennifer to feel an actual electric difference between the sex she had with her boyfriend and this thing that she's probably been fantasizing or daydreaming about actually happening her leaning into it as jennifer begins to seduce her all of that i think is i think supporting this idea that jennifer to me is symbolic of this life-changing thing that's happening with Needy. At least that's what I took from it. Here's the thing. I, I, I like, I, you know me, my, one of my favorite sentences, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. Like, and I think that that's all there. I just don't think that it's done. I'm not disagreeing well. with yeah. you. I'm yeah, just yeah, talking yeah. about the things that I liked. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Go ahead. And I also like Jennifer, I mean, uh, uh, Megan Fox as Jennifer. The reason why is because I think, in, you know, after hearing Megan Fox talk about this role, that this movie is, to her, symbolic of what she was in Hollywood, of just this body that would be paraded about 
for to make money and to benefit other people. Um, whereas, you know, she herself is this person inside. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to mention it later on, but I'm just going to quickly mention it here that one of my favorite lines is at the end when she gets stabbed, she's like, my tit. And the girl's like, no, your heart. Like, you're not just tits. Like, there's a heart there behind the tits. And, you know, I thought that Megan Fox actually brought that to life. I also really like Adam Brody in this movie, but I, I like Adam Brody in most <laughs> things, so. I will say that I like that Jennifer, or Jennifer, but uh, Megan Fox is willing to be, like, she puts it all out there. Yeah. She is grotesque at moments. She's odd, and she, like, her body is in very weird positions. Um I like that she was able to do that, to, to like, throw up on Amanda Seyfried and all this other stuff. You got that she wasn't taking herself seriously, and I really enjoy that. Um, so I liked her... I give her credit for that. I think her portrayal of a teenager is, like, a little textbook with, like, very little nuance. And again, if you're going with that on purpose, maybe, but it just doesn't feel like she is. Adam Brody is perfectly cast as 100%. a Brandon Yuri, uh, Brandon Yuri knockoff. Oh, like, really? Is, I thought of him as a Chris Cabrera knockoff. I, I just, I was like, th- that whole thing, I was like, this is Panic at the Disco, this is... Well, this, they even say that their dream is to be Maroon 5. Exactly, so. again, like, it's, it's, this movie, I want to see that movie. I want to see this movie where it is Josie and the Pussycats meets... Satan, like you know, it's yeah. just like I, that's what I want to see. This this emo band that sells their soul to the devil to make her, like, and they have to go around sacrificing virgins. And like again, I was like, "Where's that movie?" Like, if we're gonna do this, that's what I want to see. Um, or even if we just want to make the entire movie about that, I feel like that is so great. Mm. Um, but I do, I will say, Adam Brody plays his character very well and then the fact that they sang uh jenny eight six seven five three oh nine like they, the <laughs> fact that they make the sacrifice humorous that they're cutting tension i feel yes. like it's such a gift that adam has that i even saw and what was the other movie that he was just in where the woman was being sacrificed and chased around the house Oh my god, I don't even know. The the game. Oh my god, Ready or Not. Ready or Not, yeah, yeah. another woman. Exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Adam Brody, we should look into that. <laughs> I, just, I just feel like he has a great way of cutting tension. I think he's, he's a great, uh, he has great comedic timing. Cutting tension? Um, <laughs> the other character, it's very brief, but the actor who plays Colin, Colin is the boy that's seduced in the house. Yeah. I like the fact that we have this kid who, on the parents, is just this very emo in the same way that Adam Brody is, is almost... But, like, he plays it with a little bit more um, nuance. And when Jennifer's coming on to him, he's like, you don't even know my last name. Yes. Yes. Like, he's like, he's the one who's starting to be like, you know what? I am i don't want this thing that most other boys are falling for. And I, I have a little bit more to me than that. Even though it doesn't help him. Because um, he still goes along with it, even though he gets these warning signs that tell him that, that hey, something's up. So... That's, again, I'm sorry that I keep doing this every time you bring up something. I'm with you. I love what he did. And that line of, you don't even know my name, shows his humanity and that, yeah, he, like, went on this date and it's with Jennifer and he's probably really excited. But also, he's very, very much like, no, you're not into this. I don't want to be here. And I would have just loved if they would have either been like, there comes a point in time where... Jennifer's like a succubus and you can't leave and she's just like luring and there's like some call that you can't ignore. Or if he would have like tried to leave and she fought him to stay. But the fact that he says all of this and he just kind of stays there and like from that point on it's just like you're only there for the sake of being there. I I have some thoughts of, on that that I'm going to bring up in the makeover <laughs> portion, but um, yes, I I don't disagree with you there either. Um, as far as how the movie was made, the things that I do like about it, um, I like the location. I think the idea of a devil's kettle um, is a very interesting, like this idea of just this sinkhole that goes nowhere. Um, you know, when I was um, actually in Mexico, we were going through like you know those like caves that have like water and yeah. stuff. And occasionally, we like as we were hiking, we come across this like uh, very similar, this kind of like sinkhole type whirlpool. Yeah. That they're like, hey, this is what the Mexicans call the man swallower. Like these ideas that there are these things that exist. This actual 
uh, sinkhole does exist in, yeah. in Minnesota. So the idea that there's something they're playing around with that, I think is interesting. I also think it's interesting that the movie points out where we are. You know, like in this small Minnesota town. Yes. And I think that there's a lot, that it has a lot to say about America's fetishization of um, horrific events that happen in places like this and how, like, the media cares and the band gets famous and all of those things. But you understand that the people are in that town. This is, this means a lot. Like, there's a part where uh, Needy's like, we know everyone in the town. So, you know, it's yeah. like, ooh, was it anyone we know? We know everyone. Sure. So, yeah. Um, um, one of the other things I liked from the movie-making perspective was I think this movie has a dope soundtrack. And the reason why <laughs> is because every song reminds me of high school. Every single one. I was like, oh, they had everything in You this. know what? I gotta say this right <laughs> off the bat. Just because, like, we're two people of color. People probably want to know this. But I went through my own emo phase Of course you did. Like, are you kidding me? I don't know if you remember this, but we had, like, an assignment in psychology where we had to pick our song. A song that represented yes, us. Yes, and I chose Simple Plans Perfect. Oh my I gosh. I mean, like, how emotional is that? Every, <laughs> uh, like, every other song was an emo song, and I, and I swear to God, I'm sure I chose uh, a dashboard song as mine. Like, that's just, like, that's the, that was just such a, a, a time in music that was so specific to when we were in high school that yes. did not live on past that point, really. <laughs> no, it didn't not exist really. before. That um, whenever I hear those songs, I'm immediately taken back. So from that perspective, I really liked yeah. uh, the soundtrack. Like, if you put on, like, it's a little, it's slightly different, but if you put on, like, Linkin Park's Numb, my brother just becomes, like, this whole emo rage kid yes. and it's like funny because he's a puerto rican i i went to guy. so many like of those <laughs> punk pop rock concerts yes. at house of blues i will say i saw like the concert that uh leaning shoulder oh yeah yeah puts on um i i was like oh i've been to these oh yeah it's, I've been it's, to it's the Jimmy Eat World concert yes, I've yeah. been to. It's the Yellow Card concert I've been no, to. No, but I've it's... been to like the small venue. Where oh yeah, like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Like it's just like you, like no one of age should be there, and no one under age should yeah, be there. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I do want to give, and I actually think that even though I know you hate it when they play the same song over and oh, over again, God, I think there was a. A, a structural point to that in the story. Which was? Which was the <laughs> fact that they sold their souls for this to become a hit. Yeah. So I think there was a reason narratively for it to be there. And I also think it's a catchy song. I can see why people, after a few listens, because I've been humming it and singing it <laughs> the past, like, whatever, I've been watching this. So I, I think that that was a good job as well. No, I did my best to, like, ignore that song <laughs> after it came on for the fourth time. Um, and story-wise, uh, some things I do want to say is that I do believe that this movie is is... The things that people like about this movie, I can appreciate. I can appreciate that this is a movie about a woman who experienced an assault and then goes on this, like, vengeful man-eating rage, you know, afterwards. I can appreciate that this movie has these, like, um, um, sexual overtones between the two female characters, a friendship that we don't typically see in a lot of these kind of movies. Um, I can also appreciate the fact that, you know... Um, what the symbolism is of men getting successful off of the pain of women and treating their bodies in such a way where men benefit from it. I think all of that is blatant, and I think all of that is something that resonates in this Me Too era that we're in. I think this movie has three really good movies within it, yeah. and I think the problem is this movie could not choose which one it wanted to go with. Mm. I think, as you were saying, the out the idea of a band getting famous over sacrificing um, their fans and their roadies, and as you said, the the pain of women who are assaulted and women kind of being the stepping stone for these boy bands. Love it, or how it's being right being sexually assaulted can sometimes lead to sexually acting out. Yeah, absolutely, love that. I love the idea of Jennifer's body. This girl, this teenage, teenage girl, is sexualized and by everyone around her. But the only issue is, in the we don't see Jennifer overly sexualized. And I kind of wished, for the sake of this movie, I wish we had. I wish we had seen inappropriate behavior from teachers and from bartenders and from all, everyone's 
genuinely nice to her. I I was gonna say, you know I'll I'll wait <laughs> I'll, I'll wait on that. Um, but no, I I, I completely. And agree. then again, I think that the last movie, which could tie into either one of these, is the idea of this friendship that's also latent feelings and sexual exploration. Sure. And again, needy wanting Jennifer's body, but like not like in all the ways that we think. Of, Someone that, should want it. Well, like, of, like, that girl envy. Like, there's, like, this mean yes, girl aspect 100%. of it. And it's not just girls who go through it. Well, but, even the flashbacks where they're playing with dolls and she's like, why do I have to have the ugly doll? Yeah, exactly. Like well, that, I just yeah. think that she, like, when we see Amanda Seyfried, of course, she's wearing glasses and she's kind of wearing frumpy clothes. And there's this whole dialogue about how I can, when Jennifer says, look nice, it has a certain meaning and there are rules and breasts are her thing. You know, it's like, or yeah. cleavage is her thing. I think that this movie is trying to be Mean Girls a little bit. Totally. And I I want to see that dynamic of this, these two women kind of competing for each other and like the quote-unquote villain being that unnamed tension between the two of them. Oh, Hey, you got boobs first, and you get magic powers first. What's that all about? You know, but also something that I'm sure we're gonna get into. Needy seems to have powers in the very beginning, and that's never explored, and it really, really bothers me. Needy can hear a conversation from across the room, and I'm like, is she like supernatural? What's going on here? Needy is the only one who seems to notice the fire. And there were a part of me that was like, did the fire start because of her feelings for um, watching uh, Jennifer lust after this guy after holding her hand five seconds ago? You know, it's like, I felt like we were like leaning into some Carrie type situation. The movie was heavily influenced by Carrie. For us to never explore that really, really bothered me. Um, well, one of the things I, that I'm just going to end on the things that I actually liked about it, um, was this idea that Jennifer couldn't just attack a random person. He, she had to actually seduce them. She had to actually make them want her and follow her into this like forbidden place in order for the attack to take place. And what I thought that they were trying to say by that, and maybe my, you know, male interpretation of this, my sis gender straight male interpretation of this is off i i you know i'm i'm welcome to that but uh this idea that um you know it, the women who are sometimes struggling the most with something are the ones who are are desperate for attention and when she doesn't get attention from men is when she starts to actually wither away like her entire being is based on the intention her strength comes from the attention she gets from men and i thought that was a really interesting idea that this movie plays with, um, that was was it, it just doesn't go there. And again, I think for me, like I watched the the idea that there is a few scenes with a few guys, and again, all of the guys are respectful. None of them come on to her; she comes on to them. And I have a problem with that, only because it really does put Jennifer as one hundred percent the villain. And there is no, like, especially if we're talking about women being taken advantage of or, like, all this other stuff. It's just, she goes after all of these men. There's that boy, the, her what we learned to be the very first victim. That boy is walking alone. He's by himself. He doesn't speak the entire movie. Yeah. And he's just kind of lost, and she takes advantage of that. And we're, we assume that she kills this very innocent boy for no reason. Other than he was alone on the road, and I feel like we are used to, or horror movies usually have some kind of, um, like you need it. It should be cathartic. You sure. should, you know, like they have commit crimes of some sort, and I would have loved to see each one of these boys have been someone where we've seen their behavior, or we've seen them leering at her, or she's like constantly been trying to tell them, "Leave me alone." Something like that. And it just kind of puts every single one of her victims literally in victimhood. Um, I don't disagree. Um, 
Do you have anything else good to say about <laughs> it before we move into right? the you back love category? The good section. You go. <laughs> no, I'm asking if you had anything good. I mean, obviously, I, I can tell that you really dislike this, but I'm just trying to think: is there is there anything else about this movie that you walked away? Honestly, with I'm not well? gonna lie. As much as I, uh, as I said, there, I think for me, I love, and I'm only angry with the potential because I just see this movie being great for what I see in it. Um, and then when we get into the bad, I'll, I'll allow you. But there are some lines in here that are ridiculous to the point of entertainment. Like, there's a line where, uh, where he goes, I'm not just your bassist. And I thought that was, like, hilarious. Yeah. Um, and then there's, um, what happened? There's a line where Jennifer's like, PMS isn't real needy. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? It's like, I had to make sure this movie was written by a woman. Yeah. <laughs> because I was like, it's it's so ludicrous. Or like when um, Chip's like, am I too big? Yeah. You know? I love <laughs> that like, again, That's like, hilarious. Uh, and then finally, um, Satan is our only hope. Yeah. <laughs> and why don't you just get a publicist? Like those, those are the things where, again, I was like, this movie, this, this, small little clip is the movie that I want to see because it is hitting all the notes that I think it wants to hit. Sure. Sure. Um, uh, all right. Uh, before we move on to the bad category, <laughs> do you have superlatives? Do you think that there was an actor who stood out to you the best out of everyone? I'll say Amanda Seyfried does really, really like, I don't think she does great throughout, but there are moments where, we believe her character. I, I give her best actor as well. Um, again, there's not a lot of competition for that in this movie. Um, but I just, again, the way that she views Jennifer and the way she feels about Jennifer is very apparent to me throughout the film. And also, you know what? I, I will give a, like, a runner-up or a nominee for Chip. Because he he is every, like, Chip Everyman. Sure. But, like, he also has a sense of humor and a sense of understanding of his role, and there's, like, the line where Needy calls, and she's just like, oh, yeah, it burned down and all this other stuff, but Jennifer's really weird, and he's like, uh, Needy, someone just died. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's just like, can we focus on that? Can we go back on the fact that people that we know just were murdered? Yeah. Can we talk about that for a second? So, yeah. Um, uh, do you have a favorite scene in the movie? Again, when it, the credits roll. <laughs> wow, okay, sticking hard to it. Um, I actually really like all of the stuff with the band. I thought the band was really funny. I know that they're the villains, and I, I hate that I'm choosing the males in this feminist movie. Not to say that the women don't have fantastic scenes throughout, because, um, especially a lot of the Jennifer, when she's evil scenes, are great. Like, when she first appears in Amanda Seyfried's house is a great scene. Um, but I, I love the level of humor that the band brought, and I think that's because I wish that level of humor was consistent throughout the film. Uh, and I think, as we just said, I almost most of my quotes come from that scene where the band is sacrificing Jennifer. Yeah. And it, the comedy is done well. Even Jennifer and Adam Brody's back and forth is, like... The pacing is done well. I, why? Just get a publicist. I can help you. All of that is really funny, and I think I just want more of that movie. Um, you've said a few quotes. Do you have one that's your favorite? Any one of those, pick it. Um, I will say that my favorite is the "My Tit Know Your Heart," just because I feel like that's symbolic of what this whole movie was trying to show—that there's a, an actual human being behind this body that yes. we keep seeing. Um, all right, yeah, let's move on to the bad. Um, <laughs> I, I, honestly, like I'm, I'm struggling to—not struggling, but I am in a complete agreement with you on how this movie, to me, is such a wasted potential simply because I felt like they couldn't stay on track throughout the movie. It was like these runoff sentences that distract you. And there were things about this movie that I'm going to get into that took me out of the movie because I was too busy trying to figure out what this random non sequitur was that I'm sure was just thrown in for humor, but has distracted me because why does J.K. Simmons have a hook? <laughs> why? Why is this thrown in? It's distracting the hell out of me. There's no purpose for it in the story. But just things like that that keep happening that I, I have issues with. Exactly. Like, I feel like this movie wanted to be, or in moments it even is, Heathers. Yes. In that it's a dark comedy and it's supposed to be more satire than anything. But then there are also times in this movie where there's a complete tonal shift where even the comedy, you're like, that's not 
Heather's comedy. It's, it's almost as if they literally like took Carrie, Mean Girls, and Heather's and threw it into a blender, but it didn't mix. It was yes. like oil and vinegar yes. and it separated. <laughs> yes. And so you, we had these like three different like tones throughout the film of just like, oh, we're a, a, a teen comedy film. No, we're a dark comedy film, which is different. And or we're just a horror movie. And I feel like maybe, and I hate to take this away from her, maybe. A rewrite? Yes. Would have helped. Yes. I mean, I was going to get into that. Tonight. And I'm not even going to say from, like... I, and that's what's hard about this movie. Because it is, it has become such this, like, um, symbol for feminism. That I know that we as men probably are 100% missing things. But from our perspective, this there are things about this movie that are sloppy. And that's really hard to ignore. I appreciate what they were trying to do, but were they successful in a lot of that? No. I'm really rummaging through the trash trying to find treasure here. Um, because I, I just couldn't... It was an enjoyable watch for the first time. I would never want to watch it again. And it's because of everything we're talking about. I want to say, I, I was not invested. Like, there were times where I was like, I will do anything else to not focus on this movie because my brain just feels like it should be doing other things. Um, but that said... As you said, I think it's because of all of these random threads that make this movie... I, I don't think this movie... I really don't think this movie is terrible. I just don't like what it does. Because, it, as you said, it can't commit to anything. And because you can't commit, there uh, it's hard to get invested. Um, and as you said, of course, you and I, we're men. I will admit... That I mean, like, like the first, the first quote of this movie, the very first thing that is said is that hell is a teenage girl. So maybe it really is the fact that I've never been a teenage girl. Yeah. So absolutely. maybe this is touching on things that are relatable to them. Hey, PMS is a myth created by men. Hey, your boobs are magic. Hey, like these things that were like, I can get why all that's great, but um, I don't completely understand what happened to Jennifer. I don't understand what her abilities are. I don't understand why Amanda Siegfried consents when Jen is about to murder, like eat someone. I don't get um, really uh, like what Jennifer has to like. I don't know. I, I I don't understand what's is she possessed? Is she something different now? This world, as you said, this world isn't built, and there are plenty of times when, um, for example, when. <laughs> Uh, Needy goes to the library and she just does all this research. I'm like, okay, where would you start? Yeah. Number one. And she's like, and then she brings up, she's like, oh, I found all this in the occult section of the library. And she's like, there's an occult section in the library that's it's really short. Again, that to me, that's funny. The idea that like, hey, I went to our school library and there was an occult section and I got all this information is funny, but you don't do anything with us. We don't get all of this lore. We don't get all of the connections that we need to have. And as you said, why is Needy able to sense when Jennifer's around? Yeah. Why is she able to see the blood from the ceiling when uh, Emo Boy is being killed? Yes. And all of these, there are just moments where they seem to have a connection. And I want, I want to root for this movie. I want everything that they're promising me, promising me, they just never deliver. Yeah, um, I, I, it's, it's, it's a movie that I think is ripe for a remake. Absolutely. So I, I'll just, I'll just say that um, things in the story. I mean, as far as like the crew and the filmmaking goes, is again this script. Um, I haven't seen Juno in a long time, mm -hmm. and I don't know if Juno is Napoleon Dynamite. And what I mean by that is that Juno is full of these, like, quotable things that I heard people say all through high school that when I went back and watched Napoleon Dynamite, I found it to be empty without it being a part of the cultural zeitgeist. And so what I'm wondering is if, like, at the time this came out, was it, like... The D Diablo Cody's language, the way she yes, uh, like, there's the, things the, where she's the like word jello choices, yeah, like... all that stuff. Was it to make fun of something? Was it to actually like make this person hip? I have a hard time understanding it, and it's almost like she has her own version of Shakespeare, like this particular way that she writes, and the same way that Kevin Williamson does, full of pop culture references and things. But 
what Kevin Williamson's able to do is to like have those uh, cultural references support the story that's being told, not take away from it. And that's where I feel like this movie really struggles is anytime I hear a Diablo Cody-ism, I feel like it distracts me from the story um, instead of bringing me in. And again, I that just makes me question whether or not it was casting. Because don't get me wrong, I agree with you. There are lines where... I was just like, what did you just say? Why would you say that? That that sounds weird coming out of Megan Fox's mouth. Yes. However, as you said, I think of Juno. I've seen Juno. Juno may not still last in the intense way it did when it came out, but Juno is still a great exploration of A character. better movie than this. Absolutely. Yes, I can agree with that. And what I will say to that is, Maybe it was casting choice. Sometimes it's not that the line is cheesy. It's that the person saying it doesn't believe their line. Whereas there are lines in movies where you're like, if anyone else were to say that. Like, I was listening to something the other day that was talking about Independence Day. And they were like, think about the script of Independence Day and this movie should not work. But Will Smith and... Um, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. All these people are able to deliver their lines in a way where you're like, you know what? I'm here for it. You know, it's um, it's interesting because, like you said, there's not a lot of like folklore explored in this movie. I was listening to an interview uh, that Megan Fox gave where she said, you know, I felt like Megan uh, Jennifer in this movie is the modern recreation of the folklore character Lilith. And she was going into it how Lilith was technically Adam's first wife, but she was not subservient. So Adam begged God to make for another wife, kicked Lilith out, where um, Adam got this very subservient wife that was from his rib, whereas Lilith became this um, succubus. She became this woman who lured in men and destroyed them. And I'm like, if we would have gotten that in this, it would have been so much more powerful because not only does it go along with the themes of feminism it, it, but it also helps give some context to what is happening to jennifer because the difference between uh let's say the exorcism in this right in the exorcism we see how linda blair is one way before she's possessed in a different way afterwards megan fox has these episodes where she becomes possessed but then she's fine she can be a raving lunatic and then show up at amanda Sixfree's house and be like oh girl you crazy and i'm like wait i don't i'm confused as someone who grew up with women i can say that that's real but like the, the the thing about it is in this movie it feels jarring and it doesn't feel like it's the I'm overwhelmed with emotions and hormones and I'm acting out, but it's actually a demon inside me situation and then I'm just going to brush it off. It just feels unaddressed. And I feel like, too, if they had added maybe some werewolf elements, this whole idea that, you know, how werewolf is supposed to be symbolic of puberty, and, you know, she goes through these withdrawals every 30 days, much like, you know, a menstruation or whatever. Like, the fact that there wasn't more connections there, I, like, I don't... With Jennifer's body. Yeah. Again, I just think that I, I... I want this movie to work so badly because I see all of the things there. And I respect that it's trying to do things differently. I just think that it did... If you want to be Napoleon Dynamite as a horror movie, be Napoleon Dynamite. If you want to be Heathers, be Heathers. I think what's clear is in a Kevin Williamson movie, you know his tone and it's consistent throughout. You're like, this is... Kevin Williamson. This is Wes Craven. But you know this what? Is... Kevin Williamson is able to build actual tension, like scary tension amongst that. He knows when, like, hey, this, the the script needs to take a, bla- uh, a backseat to what's going on in the scene. Um, I don't feel like that's the case here. And it's, it's almost like a musician that understands, like, hey, we need to have this part of this song just be music because it'll add to the overall song. It didn't feel like that. It felt like someone who just felt like they needed to throw in lyrics through the whole thing. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of my take on on the bad of this movie. Okay, so again, I think it's really hard because as much as I've ripped it apart, when I think about it, I don't really hate, hate 
every part of this movie. No. I hate how it's put together. I'm frustrated with the few things that distracted me from enjoying it. And that's where it's coming from. You're right. I, I think that's 60 to 70% of this movie works. Yes. But and again, the missing thread, us not knowing what's going on with Jennifer, really. We don't really know. Um, us not knowing how um, Needy and Jennifer are tied like in some kind of you know, like psychic way. Needy says at the end of the movie, like, oh, if you survive a bite with a demon, you get their powers, which is this thing that's thrown in at the very end. But it's like, oh, maybe she should have got bit by her in the beginning of the movie because then that would have explained all these supernatural things that Amanda Siegfried is experiencing throughout the film. Like Exactly. Um, and th- that's what I'm saying. Or give us like a failed exorcism, you know, to yes. give us some kind of explanation. I I think all the pieces are there. I just don't think this movie uh, delivers. Rosemary ba- Rosemary's Baby does a great job of the moment when Rosemary remembers the night that Satan sleeps with her. And she just has this quick flashback of seeing these eyes. And all of it just kind of clicks in the gear. And we understand what happened to her. I, I There's never a point where Megan Fox like gives us this understanding of what happens to her between the times that she is stabbed and she just wakes up. And I understand the mystique of that. But I think it would have been helpful to, at some point, us get some kind of understanding of what Satan or this demon did to her during that time. We've kind of been doing this the entire time. You ready to just get into the makeover? Yeah. yeah and yeah. the reason why I say that is because one of the things that I think would help this movie is if if we see what the band has done early on. I think that they hold it as some kind of reveal. But when they do, you're like, why? Like, she remembers this. One thing I do want to say, about, just because we're talking about the band, and I, I think this is important, um... How does this fire start? Yes. It's never explained. It's such a big plot point that the band set this up to happen. Like, there's this ambiguousness that's never explained about that. Well, this is what I'm saying. It's like, I, I, a part of me was like, is was it... A setup. We had already seen kind of... We had already seen hints of Amanda Seyfried having, like, supernatural powers so yes. to speak we had already seen that so when she's staring at the band and you just see her be jealous of jennifer and this connection she has with adam brody and the fire starts and i'm like it, i was like is it her but what? as you said if we know if we get some kind of hint that they did this from the beginning again i just well I'm there's a portion the where the fire is happening and the band sees it and they just keep playing but as if it's part of a ritual does. or there's something a part of this movie where I, like, remind you that the entire place catches on fire. No one seems to notice but the bartender until something literally falls down on a page. It would have been great um, if we, if it was revealed that, uh, you know, like in Hocus Pocus, where they're singing and there's like, oh, hey, they're going to do a spell through their song that makes people react a certain way or that causes things to happen. Like, if we knew that, hey, the reason why we're singing this song is because it has this almost trance-like effect on people when they hear it because of this deal that they made. That would make more sense than, hey, there's a legit fire and everyone's just into this music. Yeah. As, as, again, I think that starting off with the band or like giving us insight into what's going on with the band early on actually would help this movie. Because you're like, okay, this is what happened to Jennifer. Now everything makes sense from this point on. But not doing that and holding it back. We know something happened with her, but we don't know what, but she seems to remember. And I'm like, either give her amnesia to where she doesn't know what happened, and she just kind of like, as you said, it's like a werewolf thing where it's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but she legit doesn't know, and then she's shocked later on when she remembers what happens. Or just give it to us straight out and be like, hey, this is what's going on with the band, she knows the entire time. You know the entire time. And the tension comes from everyone understanding that Jennifer's now this possessed demon. And she has, like, as you said, werewolf tendencies. I I have a uh, an idea for this makeover. But one thing I do want to say real fast is that um, I don't know if this was intentional or not. But for Amanda Siegfried to be so obsessed over Megan Fox and to be in love with her... Um, it seems to me that there was a major girl code broken where she lets her go off with the band. Yeah. To me, 
I know like women who are like friends, like with their friends or their, even with their like, uh, oh, my sister and my cousin or whatever went out. Yeah. Some creepy guy was hitting on them. Fuck that. Like they step in and they're like, no, no, no. We're going to make sure this doesn't happen. Amanda Siegfried allows it in a way that I don't know if that was intentional to the story or if it was just a bad move on the friend because it breaks this idea that Amanda Siegfried would do anything for Megan Fox. But I also, see, for me, I think it's, it's so nuanced because I see that scene as... Her being a jealous lover and her being like, you want to go off with these guys and I'm not going to sit here and watch you be someone else. I didn't see that reflected in the performance. But see, I'm saying that that's how I interpret yeah. that scene. And I think that the fact that you and I can have this debate shows that that scene isn't developed in the way that it needed to be. Because I would love to either it purposely have that line, which I don't think it does, or for it to tell us one way or the other. Um, you know, one of the things that I would remake about this is that, like I mentioned before, there's no real difference between Megan Fox before and after. And I think it would make it for such a more interesting movie if Megan Fox was this more, um, reserved girl. Maybe she, her, her body is something that she doesn't like getting attention for. Yeah. But it's, when this incident happens, <coughs> it causes her to own her sexuality. Like, her becoming a woman and owning these, these As things. You said, like a, a, a rape survival. Yes. Um, and, and in a way that's empowering. And instead, what we get is this girl who is flippant throughout the entire film about what's happening to her. She has no concern about it. She, she seems to be fine with it. We don't understand wait is this her or is this the demon like there's so much ambiguousness there so i think in my remake of this movie my makeover and we would 100 percent see a character difference there we would see um perhaps amanda siegfried get scratched or bit at the beginning of the movie to explain their link and we would just get a little bit more um I, I think, uh, uh, rules as to how this devil's magic works absolutely uh i would give it to greta gerwig I want to see oh, what yeah, she yeah. would do with this. You know, okay. I feel like she, I feel like she does the kind of nuanced female characters that this movie wants to do. Sure. Uh, and I just feel like it would, be, it would still be something where it's like guys wouldn't get every joke, but you would understand that you were dealing with teenage women yeah. in a way that felt real. Sure. 100%. Um, I also wouldn't mind um, there just being a little bit more color in this film oh, in general. I mean, throughout. we're in Minnesota, I'll give you that, but, like, we, the, the, I'll say the two people of color, sorry, two out of three of the people we hear die are people of color right off the bat. What was, and I'm, I'm sorry, I do not know her name, but the Asian actress who's, like, yeah. instigates throughout the thing. I, I didn't understand what her point was. Again, I didn't understand her. Maybe it was just girls being mean to each other, yeah, but... but like, Like, Mean Girls, it just didn't... This whole Mean Girls attitude thing didn't feel fleshed out. Again, there are times where this movie wants to be Mean Girls. There's times where this movie wants to be Heathers. And it's talking about, like, all... Like, there's that whole scene with um, the goths. And, you know, them just being, like, everyone's a poser or whatever. And it's like, okay, who are you talking to? Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, Anyway, so uh, that was our makeover. Now for some fun movie facts. Uh, Devil's Kettle is a real place in Minnesota, which uh, I wonder if they get, like, a lot more tourism now. Well, they actually say that they know where it comes up from. And actually, in the movie... Yes! We see... Yes! The, the the murder weapon and all the balls that the scientists were using. So we discover where it comes up from, yet it's this mystery throughout the oh, town. God, Ugh, this movie. <laughs> um, screenwriter Diablo Cody, who we've referenced a lot, uh, makes a cameo, cameo as the bartender at the dive bar. Who gives her the uh, 9-11 shooters. Which I thought was very interesting to call them 9-11 shooters. One thing I didn't, we didn't touch on, like, uh, some of like the best quotes, worst quotes, or whatever. But there's a there's a quote where they say, um, obviously, uh, you know, it smells like Thai food in here. Have you two been fucking? Which I, I think is actually <laughs> quite memorable. Um, but she says, she she says it's fucktarded, which to <laughs> me was just one of those like, how did this make it into this movie? This is a line that someone had to say that. I just can't imagine any human being naturally saying that something is fucktarded. So. <laughs> uh, and then finally, um, the title Jennifer's Body was taken from a song by Courtney Love's band Hole. 
And after the initial screenings were poor, the studio demanded that the movie add in more sexy scenes of Megan Fox, uh, which is where we got both the shower scene and the lake scene, which is funny because this movie is about are supposed to be about a woman being objectified. Which it absolutely life. is. So <laughs> and that's what, okay, so I mean just kind of you know, you know, taking that for what it is, uh, this movie does have relevance in that way. And it is symbolic of this Me Too era, but unfortunately it just doesn't um it doesn't lean into it. So again, prime for a remake now. Please give me a remake. Diablo Cody has said she's gotten talks for a TV show. She said she talks to executives, and the executives are like, well, the movie wasn't a big deal. And then she's like, what about Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I mean, that's a very good point. And again, I feel like this is something where I would happily see a series on this. I mean, if we can make Sabrina (laughs) into a dark comedy thriller piece, I feel like we could do justice with Jennifer's body right now. Um, okay, so just quickly getting into some some final questions for you. Um, I'm curious to know, what are your top five, and I know you haven't seen a lot of horror movies, Mm -hmm. do you have a top five of, like, your devil or demon-inspired horror movies? Um, as you said, I don't really know that much about devils and demons in horror movies. Um, to be honest, as someone who was raised in the church, I kind of avoid those things. <laughs> I, I've always loved them. I always think they're so creepy because, uh, especially growing up, there felt like there was this element of truth to these movies. Well, see, I don't like those movies because, like, just growing up in a very religious environment, it feels too real for me. But, even though I don't believe, but I love biblical mythology. Like, I will read that stuff deep dive. Because I think it's always very, very interesting. Especially considering the parts that are left out. Yes. Oh, God. All of that, to me, is very, very amazing. Um, Well, I'll go ahead and answer this question, since I've seen a few of them. Um, I have to say that the exorcism... um, the Omen, the original Omen, I think is a fantastic movie, not the remake. <laughs> um, I love the Paranormal Activity movies, the first one. Yeah, see, I don't watch those. Um, I think they're great. Um, and I also love, like, uh, there's a movie called Demonic Toys that came out in, like, 1989. That's, like, a bunch of dolls that just freaked out because of Satan. Which, when I saw as a kid, creeped me out. I'm sure it's bad now, but I haven't seen it in a while. So, um, and I actually think that uh, uh, The Exorcism of Emily Rose is actually pretty decent, although I haven't seen it in a while. I saw that one, and I didn't I didn't bring it up because I was like, I don't know how it ranks. But I did remember seeing that one. I that remember one was seeing intense. it. So, um, all right. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of my, uh, my final thing. Also, you know what? Um... We walked away from this movie not really thinking much of it, but is there a, an audience that you would recommend this movie for? Um, I honestly, it's not that I would recommend it for. I want to see, and maybe we'll do a, like a deep dive later on. I want to see who enjoys this movie and what they get out of it. Yes. Because I, as much as I don't like something, I am completely open to hearing other interpretations because I feel like sometimes people aren't able to read things in a way that I just missed. And I'm like, oh, when you say it that way, yeah, I'm a fan. Diablo Cody said that this is the movie she gets, no, like, fans bring up the most to her. And she said it's mostly young, um, around, like, early 20s girls who, who bring it up. So I think there's something that a 22-year-old girl can it get from this that we just can't. So okay. we'll, I'll, I'll accept that. I'll we're, allow we're it. probably not the yeah. best one to make this movie. <laughs> Okay, so thanks, you guys, for listening to another episode of Movie Makeover. Remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. Uh, TC? Um, I... Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, you can find me on Instagram um, at a.braver.me. Oh, I'm, I'm going to try that one yeah. more time. <clears throat> you can find me on Instagram at abraver.me. Me doc. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at a.braver.me. And if you guys have any thoughts on how to make this movie better, if you guys love this movie and hate what we had to say, we can't wait to hear from you and why you feel that way. <laughs> Reach out to us at movie underscore makeover on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can also send us an email at moviemakeoverpod at gmail.com. Yeah, okay. Um, So, as always, I'm Siege. And I'm TC. Makeover Makeover and out. out!
No, I mean, she's like really evil. Not high school. 